Hello, my friends, and welcome to PM School, an educational platform for women entrepreneurs aspiring to start, scale, and exit epic businesses. I'm your host, Steph Caldwell, businesswoman by day, personal development author, founder, and investor by PM. Come with me each episode as we go behind the scenes with epic entrepreneurs and with the epic experts who support them along their way. So grab your glass of wine, grab your biz bestie, because it is about to get real. Are you ready? Pull up your seat because class is in session. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of PM School. I can't tell you how excited I am to introduce you to our next guest. Her name is Dr. Laura de Cisneros, and she and I had the opportunity to meet and spend basically an entire year together last year, getting to know one another, talk about each other's dreams and goals and aspirations and lives and businesses. And when I tell you that I found like my soul counterpart in another person. She is just so epic in every single way and really inspired me every single time I had a chance to interact with her. And so as she is really doing big things in her business, which we'll get into in this episode, I just thought what an opportunity to introduce you guys to an incredible woman who is so extraordinary and doing really amazing things to support other women in their health. Now, if you've been following me for some time, you know that I am like an avid yogi. I eat really clean. I love to live a healthy lifestyle. So Laura is a functional medicine trained health strategist for female entrepreneurs, career women, and highly motivated women. She got her undergraduate in health and nutrition from Cornell. I know I told you she's totally brilliant. And then continued on to do graduate programs in clinical nutrition and chiropractic. She's also trained with the Institute for Functional Medicine, completed her functional medicine certification. Like I'm telling you, she's a freaking expert. And now she brings all of that knowledge in digital environments to help women get a hold of their health, to break up with burnout, and to really move their lives forward in ways that help them thrive both in life, in health, and their career. So she's got some really epic things that she's up to. I can't wait for you guys to hear from Laura herself and get to know her incredible energy. And I really would encourage you guys to reach out to her. She's been such a wealth of knowledge for me. And so I hope that you will find that if you decide to reach out to her as well. All right. Without further ado, let's get into my episode with Laura. As a reminder, if you get value out of this episode, if you love this episode, please share it with a friend, post it on social media, you know, let people know about PM School and our mission. I don't do ads or anything like that. This is really like for you guys. And so um, the more people you share this with, the more exciting it becomes to continue doing episodes. So super appreciate you guys. Let's get started with Laura. Laura, I am so freaking thrilled to have you on PM School. Your energy is just so incredible. And I can't wait for more people to know about you and everything that you're up to. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here. Jumpsuit ready and ready to go. Okay. So for those who don't know, because there's probably like a few mastermind members who are like, oh God, Jumpsuit Laura is there. Tell us about how the Jumpsuit came about. How did Jumpsuit Laura come about? How did Jumpsuit Laura came about? Gosh, you know, it, it circles back to the Powerhouse Women event last year. So you know, we were in the Powerhouse Women Mastermind last year, but when the actual event took place in September, I had started working with a personal stylist and I was like, I am ready to wear something way out of my comfort zone. I want eyes on me. I want to like stand out and just show up as the absolute like best, most confident version of myself. And Dulce, my stylist, found me this red jumpsuit, which I, of course, rewore for today. That just has been like, <laughs> I have no idea what happened that day. But ever since, it's like my alter ego, which was actually, I think, just my my higher self who was always inside me all the time. But now it's like who I think of as the most fun-loving, confident, extroverted side of me. So whenever I need a little confidence boost, I slip into a jumpsuit. <laughs> for that, yes, Colleen, I love the energy. And ladies listening, if you need a little bit of that jumpsuit Laura vibes, 
go out, buy yourself a jumpsuit, slip it on and like step into your higher self because Laura is epic and I can't wait for you guys to learn from her. So Laura, as a kiddo, what did you want to be when you grew up? Okay. It's really funny because I listened to your podcast and there's a recurring theme, right? Of this whole marine biologist concept, but like that was me. I mean, my parents would take us on vacations. I grew up on the East coast to like Maine and I would be like digging in the tide pools. They were getting me like marine biology books, like total nerd thought that was what I was going to do without a doubt. So I, I don't know what it was in our generation, Lisa Frank, Miss Frizzle, but marine biologist was my first my first career path I thought I was going to follow. <laughs> I love this. And also I have to let the listener in on a secret. So Laura like pinged me that. And I was like, oh my God, like what is it about our generation? And then I was repeating it to a friend who then you know, like also brought it up. And I tried to say Miss Frizzle because you had given me the Miss Frizzle reference. And I totally just ruined it. I was like, I, you know, that, that lady with the red hair on the, the special bus from like whatever it was. <laughs> I'm like, God, I'm the worst. Um, so marine biologist to doctor, because you're a doctor, did you have any entrepreneurial ventures as a kiddo? I always had a lemonade. I would put on neighborhood events. We did magic shows. We did garage band concerts. Oh my gosh. I played a mean set of drum pots and pans for sure. But yeah, in hindsight, I did not know anything entrepreneurial until my adult life, but there were many signs of that as a kid. For sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did your lemonade stand have like functional ingredients within the lemonade? Like, was there any hint of? Absolutely not. It was uh, those containers of country time lemonade that you just added to water and mixed. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Um, okay. So marine biologist to doctor, chiropractor, women's functional medicine, doctor, like very big difference there. What did you study in school? Why? Tell us about your journey there. Yeah. So I think when I was in middle school, my mom actually got diagnosed with thyroid cancer after having like a decade of health issues that went undiagnosed. And I was young enough that like, I didn't have a part in that, but old enough to notice that like she was struggling through that journey at the time. And when they found out she had thyroid cancer, my mom is an identical twin. They then tested. And then my older sister and I, and my mom, her twin, and my older sister all had different stages of thyroid cancer. I did not at that point, but my little nerdy brain found that fascinating. And I was like, oh man, we're all related. It must be like in our body. So I decided I wanted to go into medical research, specifically cancer research. And that was kind of my goal at that point from late in middle school throughout high school. And that was my intention when I was applying to colleges. I was looking at places that could get me into that kind of field. I ended up going to Cornell University, which is a huge research institute. I completely by accident got a job in a research lab like my first day there. <laughs> yeah, I was at like one of the new orientation meetings and happened to start talking to this wonderful, tall, intelligent woman who happened to like own a lab in the veterinary college. And she was new there. And she's like, I really need some like lab techs some lab assistants. You should come in. So my first week I got a job as a, a research assistant. And while I stayed there all four years of college, I found that working in a lab was great for like the very analytical part of my brain, but I found it really lonely. There was like lots of nights that I was in that lab by myself at like midnight, one in the morning, doing the grunt work. And a lot of the PhD students I talked to at the time were like not happy people. Uh, they were like, don't do this, like go do something else. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not a good sign. So I, I figured the next logical choice would be medical school. At this point, I was like a junior in college, kind of getting to crunch time with figuring out like, what am I going to do next? I started getting really interested in nutrition and exercise at the time. And I remember going to these like medical school open houses and interviews and asking about like, where's your nutrition in your curriculum and like getting laughed at. I, I still remember being at very specific medical schools and people being like, oh, that doesn't matter. And I'm like, seems like it might matter a little bit. And then in a wonderful twist of fate, I then got diagnosed with a thyroid issue <laughs> all in this same year. So I ended up getting Hashimoto's thyroid disease, which is an autoimmune illness, which even more solidified that I wanted to start looking into nutrition and some of these other options. I did not know where to go to find that. But my mom, again, coming full circle, 
she had started getting into like integrative therapies after dealing with cancer. So she had like nutritionists and energy healers, chiropractors. And she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you to talk to my chiropractor. And at the time I'm like, I don't need back, like, I don't have back pain, blah, 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 blah. Super stubborn 21 year old who knows everything. Anyway, I go to this lady's office and she is like the happiest person in the world, like has been working three decades, loves her life every day, like super happy. And what started as just a body work session turned into her, like she would be touching my stomach and being like, oh, you're having trouble like digesting these foods, aren't you? And you're not sleeping well. And oh, do you notice like you get issues when this happens? And I'm laying there like, how does this lady know all these things? And she started talking to me about functional medicine and how she discovered that when she went to chiropractic school. So I was sold. Next day, I'm like, find me a chiropractic school. I'm going there to learn this stuff. Applied to a chiropractic school. Off I went. Got to chiropractic school, which was great and wonderful and gave me such a good knowledge of the human body, but that wasn't quite where functional medicine was really taught. (laughs) So I then had to figure out like, okay, where do I go to learn this? So while I was getting my chiropractic degree, I also got my master's degree in clinical nutrition. And then when I graduated, I went into the Institute for Functional Medicine to study that. So now I had a couple different degrees in these different areas that culminated in functional medicine. And for your listeners who may have no idea what that is, functional medicine is basically taking a step back when you have something going on with your body. And instead of chasing your symptoms and putting band-aids on your symptoms, looking at everything in your life that set the stage for where you're at right now, from your nutrition to how are you managing stress, to your childhood, to your birth, to your perceptions around health and your body. So it's a very holistic prevention focused way of approaching health. And that pretty much led me to where I am now. Wow. I can't believe that in the time that I've known you and like the conversations that we've had, I didn't know that this was the journey. Also like shout out to those early internships that point us in the direction of what we do not want. Cause had you not been in that lab, like maybe, you know, you would have waited and figured that out five years later. Yeah, absolutely. And I was really fortunate while I was at Cornell to be able to do like different externships and go shadow different kinds of doctors and like really just kept getting this resounding voice from the universe that was like, you do not want to do this. It's nothing against that. It just wasn't for me and wasn't how I wanted to show up and serve people and work with people. Mm -hmm. So I know very little about the pathway and career of like a medical professional. You are incredibly educated and you kind of know, like, right, like working in a lab is not going to be my thing. Chiropractic functional medicine, that is going to be my thing. What's the next step? Like when you finish all the degrees and you're now like minted, like you can go and do the things that you want to do. Where do you go next? What's the next step in a career like that? Yeah. So I I think that's actually a major pain point for a lot of practitioners, regardless of what degree you have, whether it's, you know, an, an MD, a DC, a naturopath or anything else, pretty much you're either going to work for someone else, you're going into a clinical or a hospital setting, or you're kind of put out like, oh, I want to go open my own thing. How do I do that? I know I had no education in graduate school about running or starting a practice other than how to like apply for a business loan. So it, it's no wonder that a lot of health professionals either go to work for someone else first or they fail in business pretty quickly. So I was really fortunate when I graduated, the first position I took was actually as an independent contractor at a large wellness center in New Jersey. So I was able to go in and grow a practice from scratch, but instead of having this like insanely high overhead and no direction, I I just paid a percentage of what I brought in to the owners of the practice. And I was able to almost like apprentice in the terms of like the back end of running a business. So talking with that front desk staff, seeing how they did billing, how they set everything up. So again, I found that from another internship in grad school. So those experiences are just so valuable for where they take you and who they introduce you to. Yeah. So I think that's the, the first step for a lot of practitioners, unless they know someone or know that background of how to start from scratch, they'll they'll either try and be a contractor or work for someone else for a little bit and kind of learn the ropes of, of how to do that on their own. Mm -hmm. And the time, you know, when we met early 2021, at that time you were, had gone from apprenticing within somebody else's business, right. To having built your entire practice with all the overhead that's associated with that to then 
deciding you wanted a more movable lifestyle, like out of the, the ability to like not be tied to a specific location and shutting that down. Talk to us about that journey, like deciding to go out on your own, building it up, shutting it down. Like what? Explain that. Help us. That was my first lesson that entrepreneurship is basically a, a personal development journey in disguise. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so yeah, when I, I moved to Arizona in early 2019, and at that point knew how to build a brick and mortar wellness clinic. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to do this again. So I, I rented a room in an existing office first, just as a tenant, not a contractor position, just to build up a, a client base doing functional medicine, a little bit of chiropractic, but I knew I was really going to be focusing on this more integrative approach. And then after a year of doing that, I decided I was finally ready for my own bigger space. I wanted to bring in, at the time, I thought other practitioners. That was February of 2020. (laughs) And COVID hit. So like everyone else in healthcare, it was pivot, pivot. But for me, what I learned was I loved working from the online space and having the flexibility that when I did work with people in person, I could go to them. They could come to me. It could be a little more concierge style. And for me, that let me go from burning out working six days in an office, being you know bogged down by paperwork and all that kind of stuff that I just don't like, to being able to structure my hours and my days. Now, I could do the things that I was counseling my clients to go do. I could go take off in the middle of the day and get outside and take a lunch break and go travel to entrepreneurial events and join masterminds where I didn't really have that option as much when I was in a brick and mortar space. It was much harder to to structure that. And moreover, from a service standpoint, being able to serve women in a way that was more than just come on in for an appointment, here's what you should do, see you in three months. Like That never sat well with me, what I felt like most women need with their health. They might think that it's a diagnosis or an answer, but really it's someone guiding them through the action steps that they need to implement these things and get the results they want. That's hard to do from a brick and mortar unless you're seeing someone at least every week, which isn't normally the case in a lot of medical practices. In the online space, that's very easy to do. We can hop on a phone call. There can be email. There can be texts. There can be Zooms. There can be in-person meetups. And what I found was the results skyrocketed. Because we didn't just have a plan in place for clients now. We had that more important accountability and coaching piece to actually implement and start to feel better. And, you know, eventually baby bird goes out of the nest and you know what to do for yourself now and you don't need me anymore. The last thing I want is a bunch of patients who depend on me to get by in their day. I want them to become independent and empowered to take care of themselves in a way that feels good for them. I have to go back to what you said with respect to like entrepreneurship is just a personal development journey in disguise. Cause like, yes to that. I have to imagine, and I don't want to assume that you must've felt some sort of way building up what you thought was going to be this epic in-person practice to deciding like that wasn't going to be the thing. Maybe tell us a little bit about like the emotional journey of what that felt like for you and where you are now. Yeah, it was really hard. And it, The first feeling looking back was a sense of disconnect, meaning I would get this feeling when I was driving to the office and I I don't know if dread is the right word, but I didn't feel excited. And to me, that was like a little bit of a red flag, like, okay, what's going on? Because that's not the norm for me. And I picked this career path because I love it. So I was like, okay, well, something is already not quite right. And then I found myself getting frustrated because I would meet these people and I knew what their potential was and how they could feel better but I wasn't able to deliver it from that office in a way that worked. We had 30, 40 minutes, maybe an hour. And then I didn't see them again for like a month. Um, And I didn't always know what was happening in that month. And some of it was also me being just like blissfully unaware in some ways of how I could have structured that better in like a hybrid format. But really what I found was when I started really thinking about moving online into this space, it was that there was a fear and a little bit of an identity crisis of leaving part of that brick and mortar piece of me behind. Particularly, I was leaving the body work behind. I had always incorporated chiropractic and structural work because I think it's so valuable. And when that's how you define yourself and you introduce yourself as one thing, a chiropractor, and all of a sudden you're stepping out of that, it's almost like having like a, a who am I moment. And I really credit my partner, Stephen, who saw me struggling and said like, what if instead of looking at this the way you're looking at it, as in you're 
you know, you're leaving something behind, like, oh my gosh, I'm forsaking my career path. Like that was a very important stepping stone to like what your real purpose is. And that shift was really important for me emotionally to be able to go from like almost feeling bad that I was going to show up in a different way to feeling very excited about the potential for how I could show up for people. So it was definitely a, a roller coaster for sure. One thing that I really hope that the listener hears in this, because a lot of the listeners are corporate women that are con- considering like converting to entrepreneurship, is like I think that we have this idea, right? Like, oh, I'm feeling disengaged in my work as somebody who works for somebody else. That's not possible in entrepreneurship. Like, I'll finally be doing the thing that I just so badly want to do. That's not always the case, and like it really is. Like, life is a journey. Entrepreneurship is a journey. Working for somebody else is a journey, and like those key moments of awareness where you're driving to the office and you're like, something's not right. Like those will continue to happen for you regardless of where you work or who you work for and acknowledging that and like figuring out the mechanics of like why that is allows you to kind of progress in a way that's more authentic. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all about, like you said, queuing into that and looking at it as what is this moment trying to show me? What's it opening up for me? You know, should I listen to it versus ignoring what your body and your brain are trying to, to tell you because you think it should look a little bit different? Yes. And to that end, I think there's also like the, so there's the how we feel and then how our customers feel. And one of the things that I love about your journey and like determining that the time was right to like go virtual and to actually like bring women with you on that journey was that their outcomes started to change when you move them into that environment where like the care you were providing was actually the functional holistic care that you'd always wanted to provide, but perhaps like weren't even like receptive to when you were in the office environment. Cause it was like, this is how it goes. This is how chiropractic offices are run. Right. But then the second you change the environment, it all of a sudden became something where, oh, now you get to design this and you get to look at the outcomes and then kind of iterate from there. Yeah. And I think what I was really able to do was something that I saw and I sensed with a lot of women, regardless of what type of doctor they were seeing, was that their healthcare felt very fragmented. They were going to to this person for one thing, to this person for another. None of the practitioners were talking. They were taking on another role of being their own care coordinator. And all of this through a lens that was very disconnecting. And by that, I mean, they were treated like a set of symptoms, like a set of labs, like their pain points. And and like, how can we really try and achieve actual wellness and like feel good about it when we're we're treating our body like this, you know, just thing we're bringing along, like mind and body work together in every sense. So being able to put that back together and repair it and not make it as fragmented and help them understand how all of these different things are are connected and they don't have 9,000 different symptoms that are not interrelated. That's really what makes the difference. Like you can kind of see that light bulb go on just like when someone figures out like the winning formula for building their business. Like I get it. This is how they all tie in. Now it's very easy for me to take those steps to get the reward, to feel better. I would love to hear you talk through like how you actually work with women. I know that you have, you know, clients that you work with and you have group programs that you run because I think that there's probably a listener that's burnt out, stressed out, (laughs) feeling like her health is out of alignment. And I know you have like really exciting things happening as you're developing like your own supplement line. And I definitely want to get there, but I mean, what you offer is so valuable. So I would love for the listener to hear a little bit more about like how they could actually work with you if they're feeling some of some alignment to the things you're saying. Yeah. So when I work with someone, let's say one-on-one, we can start there. Maybe she's coming to me because she is stressed and burned out. Maybe all of a sudden she's having PMS or she's gained weight or something just doesn't feel right. And she knows that. And I think we all intuitively know when we're just like not feeling our best and we can't always identify what it is. I actually start with something unrelated to health in our first session, which is we talk a lot about mindset and how they process thoughts. And we also talk about personality. Most of the women I've worked with have done something, whether it's Enneagram or human design or, you know, disc or something like that. But for me, I want to know how you process information and what your values are. Because if I'm going to help you actually get better, how am I going to deliver that in a package that you understand and that is meaningful to you? If you're someone that does not want to be bogged down by like 
paperwork and data. Like if I just hand you a giant package of to-dos, like you're going to throw that out the window and be like, that was useless. <laughs> like if you're someone who likes a high performance, like fast lifestyle, if I just tell you like, you got to slow down, you're going to walk out of my virtual door and I'll never see you again. So we have to understand like what your values are, what your priorities are, and like what's the lifestyle you want, because that's how we're going to gear helping you feel better once we realize what's going on. From there, we take a look at, like I said, everything. What's been going on in your life until this stage? What was your birth like? What was your childhood like? Were you sick a lot? Did you move around a lot? Where did you live? What was your what's your work life like? Do you have a family? Do you have kids? I want to know everything that's going on and what your day-to-day looks like. And then we'll dive deeper into your nutrition, into your sleep, into your mood behaviors, into your cycle, into maybe some functional lab testing. Let's see if those like multivitamins you're taking are actually doing anything. Is your gut health, you know, the way it needs to be? How's your brain performing? Is there inflammation? So it might sound overwhelming listing all of these things, but it's for me, it's really getting that big picture so that then I can go piece together a very streamlined, personalized attack plan to get you to where you want to be. And that can be a mix of a lot of different things. Maybe it is nutrition, maybe it's supplements for a while, but most importantly, I think it's working around some of our mindset and limiting beliefs around health, about what it's like to be truly well. And about if you're sitting here and just feeling like, yeah, I feel okay. Like, getting that curiosity working of like, what if it could be better? Like, what if you could wake up every day and just like have a really great day and feel amazing and perform well, and then put your head down on your pillow and go to sleep at night. That's the goal. But we need to know all those other things to get there. Yeah. I know that you work with a ton of women, high-performing women. And I imagine that like you probably synthesize everything that you're taking in from so many people What's like the number, (laughs) what are the top things you hear from high-performing women that like actually have really easy, are really easy to address? And what advice do you have or what, you know, tactics do you have for a woman listening that kind of resonates with what you share and can implement something tactical in her life? Yeah. Hands down. Number one is like, I'm so busy. I don't have time to think about my health. I don't have time to think about what I'm eating. I don't have time to do this. You do have time but we're not prioritizing it. So how can we shift and how can we then give you these interventions in a way that's very time efficient? Because like eating foods that serve you, that make you feel good, you don't have to think about it once you understand what they, for me personally, that's the power of like hyper-personalized testing. So like using these labs that literally look at what's going on inside your gut, at your gut bacteria and saying, hey, from a scientific standpoint, these are the foods that we know these bugs thrive on. These are the ones that we know they don't do so well with. And like, usually within a few days of trying these new foods, people feel really great. It's like hitting that reward feedback loop. All you need to do is start making small changes. And as you start to feel better, it's going to drive you to make more and more of those changes. It's the initial adding in changes to your life that's overwhelming. And that's why you have a guide to help you through it, to deliver it in a way that's not overwhelming that you can fit in. So like, for example, some of my clients who say that they get a text from me at the beginning of the week, some of them once a day that literally says, this is what you focus on today. This one thing or these three things, that's it. That's all you have to worry about. Most people can fit that into a pretty busy lifestyle. Like I can do these three things. And then we build on it. We stack habits around things you're already doing. So there's lots of ways to get past that barrier of busy. It's just deciding like, well, what are you busy with? Like, how can we fit this in a way that's meeting you at your comfort level somewhat, but also like pushing you for a little bit more. Yeah. I'm like over here in my head, like, yeah, I need to work with you. (laughs) I've said this before. (laughs) I need to prioritize working with you. So that's number one. The flip side of that, that I get is, um, driven high-performing women, and I'm guilty of this too, Like we get very attached to the intensity of our life sometimes. And this is just like what we've wired our brains to do. Like We've wired ourselves to get that reward pathway lit up when we're doing like super intense exercises and super busy day and like super restrictive diets. And I'm going to fast and do all the biohacks and all of these things because more is better. And like our bodies haven't like caught up with that yet in modern times. So like, that's why I also always start out talking with women about like, 
how are you wired? Like what's your brain chemistry? Because a lot of busy driven women are wired to be that way. And all we have to do is a little bit of tweaking to like drive those reward pathways towards a more balanced life. You can still do all these super intense things if you like them, but if you're increasing that demand on your body, you know, we have to address the supply issue and increase that supply. Mm. There was something that it was like a t- tiny little tool you gave me the last time we were together in person, or, or maybe it was the time before that, which was just like before you sit down to have lunch. Like I'm guilty of it. I'm sure somebody listening is guilty of it. Like you're sitting in front of your computer, you're getting the last three emails out, you're running to the next meeting. I think Lori, you were like, just literally close your eyes and like take three deep breaths and then eat without a screen in front of you. But like, even if that screen is still in front of you, like just pausing to take three deep breaths and be like, I'm transitioning to eating mode now, as opposed to just like shoveling food in your face. So necessary. You're in this like go mode and like the part of your nervous system that drives that is completely different than the part of your nervous system that drives digestion. So one cannot do the other. You have to train your body to switch between the two. It's the same reason that a lot of women, like they'll work till nine or 10 at night and then they'll be like, I can't fall asleep. My brain just keeps going. Like, you did not give it a chance to switch over to that state of rest and digest. So like you, There's ways you can do that that are not super time consuming and like literally breathing. It's free. You have to do it already. It's such a powerful tool for that. <laughs> it's free. You have to do it already. I love that. So obviously for the listener, they can tell like you're incredibly experienced in this realm. You think a lot about functional medicine. You think a lot about the outcomes for clients you've decided that you're doing your own supplement line. And I think you're really in the process of figuring that out right now. Talk through why you've decided to do this and what the process has been to to date. Yeah. So it's been a new learning experience, but a super fun one. And I think what drove me to it was I kept meeting these women who had seen, you know, integrative or functional providers, but their experience was those provider, and this is not like to bash anyone, but they took their meds and they swapped them out for supplements, called the integrative medicine and like sent them on their way. There was no, there was nothing personalized for these women. They weren't looking at lifestyle stuff. And in my mind, a supplement's job is to do just that. It's to supplement these other things we've been talking about. When I'm looking at supplements, I found myself using these products from all these different labs to try and get the right combination of things that I wanted. And then I was also running into the problem of some supplements don't take gender into account. So I would find these great blends for stress relief, but I would notice some herbs in them that they affect men and women differently. And women, they affect us at different times in our cycle differently. So I also was really like, okay, well, now I'm going to have to give you like supplements for the first half of your cycle for the second. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to turn into one of those people that has to give people literally 30 products to get to an end point while we're working on these underlying issues and lifestyle changes. I tried finding a few companies that I could just like white label their products, which is basically you get to put your own branding on it, but same problem. I would find a few things I liked, but not in the amounts I wanted, not in the blends I wanted, and not ones that didn't meet the specific needs of a driven, ambitious, entrepreneurial women. We are wired differently. That means we require different things. So my venture now is creating a line that is specific for this population. And I want it to be that like you don't need more than three of these things at a time, no matter what's going on. So like the last thing I want is someone to be like, oh, I need that whole stack of 20 things to feel good every day. Like, no, these are very targeted for specific things. So like some of those are definitely dealing with like stress response and resilience. Some of them are dealing with hormones, gut issues, things that are more specific to women in this population. And then also some fun ones. So there's the women who travels all the time. There's the woman who's on stage speaking. She wants to feel good, look good, calm her nerves. Like how can I deliver that in a package so that she can take something that is supporting those systems so she can perform at her best, even if she has a demanding schedule like that. So that's kind of where I'm at in it now is the design and working with a company and a manufacturer to help me figure out the right blends of some of those, let alone some of the more like the fun products, things that help with like brain performance, nootropics, things like that. So that is so exciting. And also I really resonate with the use case specificity. You know, I'm somebody who has tried like supplements on and off. They didn't make me feel good or they made me feel weird or 
literally finished it and just didn't like resonate or align. And so I just moved on to the next thing. So I, I really love that. Since you went through the process of looking at potentially white labeling and then determining like, okay, no, I have to actually make this myself or, or manufacture my own blend. What, like, how, do you just like Google, like make my own supplement line? Like what's step one for, for you as you kind of think about manufacturing your own stuff? I would be lying if I said I did not do that because I definitely did. <laughs> yes, I knew that was it. I do this. <laughs> but that didn't really give me a whole lot of information that was helpful to me. So what I did was I, I, you know that I love masterminds and things like that. I got involved with a new mastermind that's specifically for health and wellness entrepreneurs because I knew I would also find that there. Mm. So I just started asking people like, hey, do you, you have a supplement line? Like, did you white label it? Did you make your own? Okay. If they white labeled it. Okay. Thanks. If they made their own, tell me more, where did you go? How did you do this? And just kind of built up contacts and just started emailing people and calling people and saying, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. Like, what are your thoughts? Is this possible? Can we do that? That was most of my January this year was doing that, which was a good learning experience in a lot of ways. a little overwhelming <laughs> Then people like they'd come back and they'd be like, Oh, what are your specs on this, that? And I'm like, oh, I didn't get that far yet. Yeah. Um, no idea. <laughs> Let me get back to you. Um, so the, the power of networking and finding these communities where, you know, people are, are doing that in another way, but okay. Like where did you go and where did you start? So I, how can I learn from you? Yeah. I think literally the, some of the three most powerful words went together in our language is tell me more open-ended point blank requires, you know, dialogue. But I think that the best information comes out of that comment. Tell me more, tell me more (laughs) (laughs) about the fact that you work with women all day. You have all of these programs. That is like the main hustle, if you will, like the side hustle right now is building a supplements line. I imagine like just because you've decided to pursue this new venture, it doesn't mean you can just shut down your income systems. How do you think about managing as an entrepreneur and like looking at the the revenue and the impact on time, you know, build building up the supplements business? What are the things that go through your head with respect to that? Yeah. So for me, seriously blocking my schedule and allowing myself to step into where these different hats at different times, it, it's hard for me, for my brain, the way it works. Like if I was to jump from clients to talking with a supplement person to you know someone working on the back end of my funnels all in one day, that's a tough shift to make. So I started blocking days for specific things. So like Monday is more of my admin day. That's when I'm spending time like answering these emails, scheduling calls with these supplement companies, doing that side of thing. Tuesday through Thursday are more my client days. Those days I'm focused on client work, on following up with people, on planning, on analyzing labs, on doing all of that. And then Friday is more my day to like sum things up. I chat with like a VA, anyone who's doing like backend tech stuff with me, wrap up things for that week and get started for the next week. It took me a while to learn the, the structure that worked for me. I think at first I was trying to just fit things in anywhere And then I was starting to feel burnt out and not productive at all, which is not a good feeling when you're telling people how not to do that. Really intentionally setting my schedule in ways that lets me be hyper-focused on these areas has skyrocketed my moving the needle forward in each of them respectively. Hmm. One thing that came up for me as as you were sharing that is the reliance on other people. And I think the early stages of entrepreneurship, like you kind of think, oh my gosh, like I'm going to have this freedom for my time and like my schedule and get to do these amazing things. And then the reality of the situation is like, if you're actually looking to build a scalable endeavor, like you're going to have to bring other people into the fold. Share a little bit like your thoughts on leadership or like how to kind of look to other people to be experts or support the growth of your business. Yeah. I think it's scary for a lot of new entrepreneurs. And I still consider myself a new entrepreneur to be able to delegate because there's always this thought that like we can do it the best. Like who knows better than me, what I need to say to my clients. The reality that I've learned time and time again is there's a lot of people who know how to say it better, (laughs) especially initially. I think of like Allie Williams, who you had on, who has been helping me with some funnels. And I'm like, wow, she knows how to get this out of my mouth and onto paper a lot better than I do. that's her zone of genius. Like mine is just helping people with the changes. So very humbling, but also very important. And also looking at it as in like, 
I have this conversation with women around their health, right? Like most of you are not health experts, but you constantly try and DIY your health. You don't delegate it out. And that's why you don't get the results you want. Why would it be any different with my business ventures? Like, why am I spending my time doing these things that aren't my zone of genius and that are taking away from my creativity time and the stuff that I really thrive doing just because I'm like afraid to hand over control? So a lot of that, again, is like not sound like a broken record. It's really learning on that mindset shift piece and understanding that sometimes you need to get things off your plate to take that to the next level and be able to scale it. Yeah. So as you think about the next like challenges ahead of you in the supplement business, you mentioned January was a lot of like calls, follow-ups questions you hadn't been asked before. What phase are you in right now? Yeah. So now I found the team that I'm going to work with on it. So now it's about, I had already kind of sketched out the types of products I wanted, what I wanted them to do, some key ingredients and like really fun names. I'm not going to share those yet, but like, I'm pretty jazzed about the names. Like, Uh, which of course the supplement company is like, we don't care what you're going to name it. Like we need to talk about the details. Really what the conversation is now is like, okay, who is this for? Because what I also wanted to be intentional about was like dosage of these things, knowing that like, here's the average avatar I'm looking at for these women, but I want to make sure that the dosage is enough to be effective, but not so much that it's like dangerous in some ways. And like supplements, obviously you always have to talk to like your provider or professional before incorporating them. But I also wanted something that someone could like take off the shelf and be able to feel a difference within the first week of taking it at a minimum. I know it's possible as long because I've done that with supplements. I've taken things and I'm like, wow, I notice a difference immediately when I take, this is awesome. I also notice ones that don't make a difference. And that's usually how I gauge if they're working for me or not. I also wanted to make sure I was using ingredients where for the most part, we could track how the body was using and hanging on to them with not that every woman is like super data-driven and needs the labs, but I use labs to track if people need supplements in the first place. So I wanted to make sure I was using things that kind of fit some of those markers as well. And of course I wanted them to be like safe and have as much as possible, like evidence-based literature that looked at them in women populations, which has been hard to find for some. Like most studies are still looking at, or postmenopausal women, very rarely menstruating women, just because we're a little more complex to follow. But that was like really important to me too. I didn't want to just throw out ingredients because we like think they're good. I wanted to make sure they can actually have an impact on some of these systems. You are such an expert. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, thank goodness there are people like you on the planet who want to solve these problems. Because in my head, I'm like, what are her, like, what's her plant distribution channels? I'm like, what's her profit margins on this product? Have you gotten to any of that? My zone of genius. (laughs) That's the thing that I talk to like them about. And then like, when I, I work with different business coaches, I'm like, what do you think about this? Because I don't even know like how to dream about that sometimes. Like I don't always know the possibilities. Um, That's why it's also been helpful to connect with people who do have their own supplement lines. And like, if they're willing to share with me, like, what does that look like for you? Like, how much do you have to sell? Like, what's the cost? What are are you making off of it? What are the channels that you're marketing them in? How much are your marketing costs? I was surprised to find that like marketing costs have actually come down since social media has gotten so popular because people just like post them in their stories all day long for free. (laughs) So it's not always like paid ads to them. Yeah. So that's been really interesting. Your communication style is like pretty direct. And I really love that about you. For somebody who's a little less direct, like how would you think about broaching a conversation like that? So you meet this epic entrepreneur, you're like, oh my gosh, they've got a business similar to mine, but you don't want to like, you know, feel competitive or anything like that with them. Like, how do you kind of broach those topics? I... I always come from the place of being a go-giver first, meaning when I'm talking with them, especially if it's someone who like, usually I recognize these people, like I've been following them for a while. I'm probably a little starstruck and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go talk to this person. But like, first and foremost, what can I provide you? Like, how can I give you value? How can I support you? How can I like cheer you on first and like start that relationship in a way that's Hey, I know you, I respect you. You're doing awesome. I would 
love some of your time. And I'm very respectful of that. I don't ask people to necessarily give me their time for free. I always offer like, if you're willing to hop on a call, like let me know what that might look like. Most people are willing to just talk to you. But I think coming from a place where you're respecting their time and you're also trying to like give them value and cheer them on is going to put most people in the place where they will be willing to help you. Versus if I just said, walked up and was like, hey, help me. Like, I don't know if somebody walked up to me and said that I, I might be like, okay, what's your name? <laughs> so, it's all, it's always about relationships, right? Like r- relationship currency is first and foremost, the most valuable and learning how to speak to people in a way that builds that first is I think going to be the most effective way. Yeah. As you think about like, I mean, frankly, the cost of manufacturing a supplements line like, what does that look like? Like how much money does it take to build V1 of a supplement line? And, and how did you learn that? Or are you in the process of learning that? It's enough that there's conversations about, I need to make a a pitch deck to get some investors for sure. (laughs) So it's a lot of numbers. Yeah. Uh, But what I also love about like our current time is, I, I don't know, I know you're exposed to a lot of the same circles. There are so many women, like this is your area of expertise, like raising capital for these things and investing in, in women-led, women-funded you know, ways of doing that. That is a new learning curve for me. That is not something I've ever had to ask for before. So obviously I need to wait until I get the products a little closer to being finalized, but working on like, okay, how do I, how do I now like help other women buy into this, see the value and help me get it out into the world? Mm-hmm. When you think about milestones, you want to see the products at before you go and you know think about capital raises, however those may look, because it could be a business loan, it could be venture capital, it could be angels, it could be a Kickstarter fund. Like, what's the what are the milestones that you're really excited for that will like trigger that next step of okay, now how do I go find the money that I need to bring this thing to life? Yeah, I think when I start getting to the point that like we're getting the approval and the sign off that like these ingredients can go together. Here's how we can formulate it in a way that is shelf stable for a decent amount of time. It's all the ingredients that I like that are sourced well. And when we start getting those products actually coming together, I think that's the point that will trigger getting ready for that piece of it. Because obviously like label design, that kind of thing, that that can change and evolve over time. And I would honestly want that feedback from women who are experienced in investing and what may appeal to them. But for me, I think what will mean that door is opening is when we actually see the products coming together yeah, uh, and that they're going to work and that they're going to last. What I really hope that the listener like experiences in this episode is the evolution of the journey. And that like, I think a lot of times we don't start because we see the supplement line at Target, you know, that like that we buy and we're like, oh, I could never get there. Like that is too big of a bridge to cross. But it actually starts, like Laura said, with a single conversation or putting yourself in a room with the type of people you could have that conversation with. And that's so much more tangible. Yeah, for sure. And I understand now the appeal of white labeling supplements because it's like a six-week runway. (laughs) This is very much not going to be a six-week runway. But I think looking back at a product that you brought into the world that you're very proud of. And that like you have full confidence in and you know that like you did something that serves people in a way that hasn't been done before, like that makes all of the time and the learning and the ups and downs and the frustrations and the stepping out of your comfort zone. I mean, gosh, talk about the point when I have to start asking for investors, that'll be a jumpsuit moment for sure. That whole journey will make it like very worth it. Yeah. All right. Last few questions for you. What are some of the biggest lessons you learned during the early days? And then the follow-up to that is like, what lessons are, is the universe putting in front of you right now? The early days of entrepreneurship. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yes. You know, stepping out of a, a more stable job into entrepreneurship would not mean less hours. It would mean many more. It would also mean like being comfortable with feeling like a total newbie. Like, I really feel like my first year of entrepreneurship was like going back to school for something that I can't quite like place a finger on the category of it. Like, this is just, I was good at this. I think I want to do this, but I have no idea how to connect the two. And like just being very uncomfortable and 
also just like putting yourself in new places. For me, being in the health and wellness field, like you don't always have to do that. Like you can live your happy little life in your clinic and go home. I think if you want to be an entrepreneur in that field, now you need to blend two different lifestyles together. But the beautiful thing when you do that is you learn so much more. You learn a lot more about how to serve people better. You learn about what the people you want to work with need, and you learn a lot more about yourself. And like, that's really the biggest things that the universe has been sticking in front of me lately, is that there was this really awesome version of me that was always there. I just had never found the right environment to like really let her out and go do her. And like all of these things, looking back at myself when I was younger that I kind of like, I don't want to say punished myself for, but like really self-criticized and was like, why are you like that? Like, why can't you just focus on this? Why can't you just do this? That wasn't me doing anything wrong. That was like me trying to fit in a more structured box and lifestyle that I was not built to be in. So it's been like very validating in a lot of ways. And I don't know. It's really fun to like step into the version of you that just like literally jumps out of bed every day and is like, I get to have a really cool life again. Like this is really fun. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I hope whoever listens to this, like this inspires the next action that gets them to that life because everybody is deserving of that life and can have that life. But a lot of times the biggest thing in front of you in that life is you, the person looking back at you in the mirror, holding you back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what is the the one thing that you hope the listener takes away from your journey as she begins her own? Yeah, I hope what you can take away is that like, especially if you're looking to like leave one of these more structured jobs and step into entrepreneurship, like you are your own best advocate and like your brain is your business. So like you need to take care of yourself to be able to do these things. You're stepping into something that is inherently can be stressful if you don't know how to support yourself along the way. And I don't just mean supplements. I mean like all of the basic human needs, like do not sacrifice meals for work. Like make sure you're taking care of yourself, find community, like seriously do these things that like are going to help your brain perform so much better and will keep you happy. Entrepreneurship can be a hard journey. If you do these things that help your brain stay happy and content and aligned, it doesn't feel so hard. And the last thing you want is to kind of step off this giant cliff into entrepreneurship and be like, wow, I feel really crappy every day. Like there's these other things you need to do to really thrive, to bring whatever your idea is to life. But that starts with you. You take care of yourself. Like imagine the impact you get to have, whether that's through a product or whether that's through a service, when you can show up as the best, healthiest, highest version of you every day. Cheers to that. Thank you so much for being here. If you loved this podcast, and I truly hope you did, make sure you're subscribed so you'll be the first to know every time we drop new episodes. And if you haven't already, head over to pmschoolpod.com and subscribe to our newsletter so we can keep you in the loop as we release new PM School resources, invites to events, and trips abroad. If you're feeling extra generous, please leave us a review because it really makes an impact on our ability to book epic guests and keep this mission in motion. Last, but certainly not least, if you feel so moved, take a picture of yourself wherever you're listening and tell us what your biggest takeaways are by tagging us on Instagram at PM School Podcast. All right, until next time, go be epic. We see you, we support you. Cheers.